Coming up, David and I wrap up our thoughts on the New Orleans Saints, look ahead to the Carolina Panthers, and answer a few of your voicemails. All that and more on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by Dan Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com, and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayArko underscore Bucks, at DHarrison82, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Today's episode brought to you by our good friends over at Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, Fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football, but instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. David, let's go ahead and dive right in. We got a lot to cover on this episode and we're going to start things off with a voicemail from our buddy Zach in Dallas. What is up, guys? It is Zach from Dallas. Well, I was expecting some shock and awe, and instead, what I saw was something shockingly awful. I'm trying to figure out, too, I didn't realize how important Ali Marpet was to the offensive line because the offensive line just got their butts whipped all night. I mean, it got so bad at one point that I just started laughing. Uh, and I had somebody look at me, and that's why I was laughing. And I had to steal a quote from David on this one. And just I looked at him and said, Buck's going to buck. That's just all that I could explain on it. I mean, it's this was this is the Bucks performance that we've come to expect over the years. You know, this is a, the type of performance that's always kind of still been in the wing force. You saw it. Against Chicago, you saw it week one against the Saints. I'd hoped that we'd kind of turn the tide. Uh, I'd hoped that New York was just kind of a fluke. But instead, it turned out to be hopefully what we've seen last week and then this week uh, against the Saints and Giants is not an indicator for the rest of the season. I don't think it will be. You go out and you lay two eggs like that. Just eventually, it's going to get to a point where we're we're not going to talk about playoffs anymore. We're going to start talking about our draft pick uh, for next year's draft, and you know, start speculating how high up in the order we're going to be. Anyway, now that I've said that, it's out of my system. I'm looking forward to next week to the Panthers. I'm uh, I'm ready to start talking what little trash I can to the Panthers fans that I know. So, as always, go Bucks. All right, Zach and Dallas, appreciate the phone call from you. Uh, and talking about Ali Marpet, that's a topic, James, that we didn't cover in our initial reaction, uh, mostly because we just didn't have time with everything else we had to react to. And I didn't even cover it uh, on my solo episode because I knew this call was going to be coming up. And that, but it's, but it's something that needs to be discussed because Ali Marpet, a guy who's been incredibly uh, consistent for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, really hasn't hit missed much time uh, in his NFL career. And this is the first game since he moved to the to the left side of the offensive line, the Donovan Smith has had to play without his running mate there, Ali Marpet, the left guard position. And listen, Donovan Smith suffered in this game, but 
Uh, just to put things in perspective, okay, I know a lot of people are down about PFF grades. I'm going to use some PFF grades here, not as kind of a measuring stick, you know, in, in the totality sense, but really just as a comparative. So the adjustments, the differences between the weeks at least can be demonstrated by using those, those grades, right? Week one, Donovan Smith graded out at 64 overall, which is not good for those of you counting at home, and a 58.8 pass blocking grade. In week nine without Ali Marpet, that grade dropped from a 64 overall to a 56. However, his pass blocking grade actually increased from a 58.8 to a 60.3. And really, if you look at it, there are definitely, you know, nobody, no, no don't get me wrong, 60.3 isn't good, okay, guys? But it's a little bit better than what he did in week one. And if you look back at the games, week one against New Orleans Saints, against Trey Hendrickson uh, there in New Orleans, Donovan basically got worked the entire game. Like there really wasn't a, a single snap where maybe Trey Hendrickson wasn't credited with a pressure, but he was getting pressure on Tom Brady pretty much all night, right? And that's a little bit over over overreaction, over exaggeration, but not that big. On uh, on Monday night or on Sunday night rather, Trey Hendrickson owned Donovan Smith, but outside of Trey Hendrickson owning Donovan Smith, I mean Marcus Davenport came in and he definitely made some noise. He definitely had an impact in the game, but he didn't come in and dominate Donovan Smith the way that maybe we're thinking about. I made. Uh, Marcus Davenport, our, our player to know, again, for the New Orleans Saints, not because Buccaneers fans probably aren't aware of him, just because he was returning, hadn't played in week one, so this was his first crack at Tom Brady. And really, the, the attitude going to it was, if his backup, Trey Hendrickson, did what he did against Donovan in week one, what is this guy going to do in week nine? And in reality, he didn't do as well, actually. he did. Donovan Smith did better against Davenport than he did against Hendrickson. Hendrickson. And then the Saints brought Hendrickson in, if you remember the series, where Hendrickson got sacks on three straight plays. One of them negated by a penalty, but then he came back and he went and got sacks again. Trey Hendrickson owns Donovan Smith, period. These two teams face off again in the playoffs. If the Buccaneers even make it there, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. If these two teams face each other in the playoffs, I expect Trey Hendrickson to get a lot of attention from Donovan Smith or against Donovan Smith because right now through two games, right, the Saints kind of stumbled into this one because of Marcus Davenport's injury in week one. But through two games playing against Donovan Smith, Trey Hendrickson looks like an all-pro when he plays his Buccaneers offensive line. We were talking about it in our Bucks Nation group chat, and Evan Winter and I were, were kind of going back and forth, and we, had, at least upon initial viewing, kind of had the same impression that outside of those three plays in a row, Donovan Smith really didn't play that poorly. It seemed like the pressure that was in Tom Brady's face all night was coming up the middle because Joe Haig had a real bad game. Joe Haig yeah. had a rough night. And some of that may have spilled over to Donovan. It's very possible. Like I said, this was my initial thought upon first viewing. I have not gone back and rewatched, so I could be completely wrong. But it seemed to me that Smith, by and large this season, has played really well, and he wasn't that bad on Sunday night, at least not bad enough, I would say, to warrant a grade of 56, but who knows how the, the grading system works or, or what have you. And there may have been plenty of things that I missed. That was just kind of my, my big takeaway. David, on yesterday's show, you had, you had brought this up talking about back-to-back weeks. Now we've seen some struggles out of this team, you know, with, with New York, you once is a fluke, twice is a trend. Buccaneers are not trending in the right direction here. You know, they need to really get some things on track. Offensive line play is one of them. The defense as a whole is another. I I have not liked what I've seen out of the secondary. I have not liked what I've seen out of the the front seven, especially the the front three. 
I've not liked what I've seen out of the game plans and the play calling, you know, all around. So this is this is two kind of rough weeks here where, you know, they they escape Monday night with a win after a really bad performance. They get laughed off the field on Sunday night after one of the most wretched performances I've seen in the last decade. And when you're talking about coaches like Lovey Smith, who his college team this past weekend, not only did I have to deal with the Buccaneers, David, my college team punted on fourth and goal. How does that happen? How do you have fourth and goal from the 50? Anyway, I digress. That's some bad football, James. Oof, that is Illinois football. They are all the way back. Maybe this team isn't as good as we all thought they were. I still believe they are. I still believe this is one of the best teams in the NFL. I still believe it is you know, arguably the best team in the NFC. They've got to figure out the New Orleans Saints, but mostly they've got to figure out themselves. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you go back to week one when Donovan Smith played with Ali Marpet, uh, Ali Mar or Donovan Smith graded out as the lowest uh, offensive lineman for the Buccaneers as far as pass rush efficiency goes. Uh, allowed four pressures, two hurries, one hit, one sack, uh, again, according to PFF. And when you look at week nine, Joe Haig is now the bottom of that rung. So Ali Marpet, who was the best offensive lineman in week one, now that left guard position moves from the best position, the position of strength, to the lowest position uh, there. And then Donovan Smith stays there at the bottom, actually has a lesser score as far as pass rush efficiency is, is concerned. Uh, and the left side of that offensive line, like you said, James, gave up 13 pressures total nine hurries, four hits on the quarterback uh, in week nine there against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, So definitely something that the Buccaneers need to make a priority moving forward. And just like they're making that a priority, protecting my family is something that I've always made a priority and I want to do it safely. And Axon Taser believes that safer self-defense is better self-defense. Axon Tasers has a line of non-lethal self-protection devices that are small and lightweight enough to carry with you or in your glove compartment, purse, backpack, whatever you need to do. To carry that thing with you, it uses an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, allowing you time to escape and sends an emergency dispatch with your GPS location so that law enforcement or whoever you need can help you out of the situation that you find yourself in. Now you can own a taser, the number one choice of law enforcement agencies. It's Veterans Day. And I've had a lot of conversations in the past with my fellow veterans about whether or not we'd rather be tased again or pepper sprayed again. Those are the conversations my friends and I have, okay? And if you're paying attention, I said, again. So we've already been through both of those. I always choose getting pepper sprayed. Why? Because while being sprayed comes with intense pain that lasts much, much longer than being tased, believe it or not, if you've never been through it, you can still control yourself after you've been contaminated. You can still fight, defend yourself, take someone down. You can make some moves even after you've been pepper sprayed. It hurts. Hurts like crazy, but you can still operate. With a taser, you can't. And I hate that loss of control that a taser does to you. You know who else hates the loss of control? Assailants. Tasers are available without a permit in most U.S. states. Check your state for specific laws for for tasers. Get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at taser.com with the promo code NFL and save 15% now. Again, at taser, T-A-S-E-R.com with the promo code NFL. Restrictions do apply. See the site for details. Segment two of the Locked On Bucks podcast coming up here at the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, guys? This is Matt from Morven. You know I usually like to call in with, you know, some positive things and stuff like that, but I was not feeling that way this week. And there's been some questions that have kind of been burning on me, some of them actually for a while, a year or more. 
and then some of them are, you know, more recent thoughts. Some things that I'd like to get your opinion on, has this roster exceeded the ability of our coaches? The talent, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Has the talent on this roster exceeded the coaching ability of, of this coaching staff? Because I honestly, other than his recruiting, I have not been impressed with Bruce Arians not one damn bit. Byron Leftwich is a total wild card that yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that experiment, but you know, we have we have had zero consistency under the Bruce Arians regime. And as much as I like bowls and as much as I want to believe in bowls and I don't I don't understand what's going on exactly with the last two games, it has looked like a Mike Smith defense the last two weeks. So and then the other question that or I don't have a question so much as a thought I've had is Mike Evans, really a number two receiver because he does not seem to have Brady's trust. We keep adding, you know, to our receiving game without adding to our blocking or rushing. Uh, and when I say rushing, I mean on defense, <clears throat> two critical roles. We need pass rushers and we need blockers, but we keep adding receivers. So what? why doesn't Brady trust Evans, you know? And I think it's because Evans doesn't get separation. And I think that Evans and uh, Jameis basically made each other because Brady obviously doesn't believe in Evans. So anyway, I know that was kind of rambling, but those are just thoughts I've got rolling around in my head, and I want to hear y'all's opinion. Go Bucks. It's a Wednesday edition here on the Locked On Bucks podcast. Matt from Morgan, Georgia, thank you for the voicemail. Cheer up, buddy. Cheer up. Well, Maybe not yet. I'm probably going to make you a little more sad than you already are. But, hey, that's what we're here to do. Not make you sad, but to answer your questions. First and foremost, let's start with, with the roster, okay? No, this this the roster talent has not exceeded the coaches. The coaches, I think, as odd as this may sound, the coaches are still, in my opinion, trying to find their way with this team. No, I did not like the game plan on either side of the ball for the Giants game. No, I did not like the game plan on either side of the ball for the Saints game. I think Todd Bowles needs to do a better job of game planning against his opponent because his side of the ball really hasn't changed very much. They should know their way. They should know what they're out there to do. They should know their strengths, know their weaknesses, know what they're going to try to force the offense to do in terms of forcing mistakes, forcing takeaways. They're tied for the most takeaways in the NFL. They're doing some things right. They're only behind the Pittsburgh Steelers in terms of sacks. They're doing some things right. But these last two game plans have been very questionable. And I would like to see Todd Bowles get back to the strength of this defense, which is bring pressure from all over the place you never know where that extra pressure is going to come from you never know when it's going to be delayed on the offensive side I think Byron is still finding his way with this team as much as this team is still finding its way with this team we thought they were clicking we thought we were starting to see them hit their stride they've hit a speed bump these past couple weeks you know they came away with a win and the other one it was just a disaster it was an unmitigated disaster it was Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. You chalk it up, you burn the tape, you move on. And you better pray that you don't see it happen again. As for Mike Evans, no, he is not a number two receiver. He is a number one receiver. No, there is no trust issues between Tom Brady and Mike Evans. 
Absolutely none. Zero. They've added to the receiving options, especially with the latest move with Antonio Brown, because of injury. Mike Evans has been hurt all year long. There has not been a single week where he was 100%. Not one week. Chris Godwin, in and out of the lineup with injuries. It's been a concussion. It's been a hamstring. It's a broken finger. Scotty Miller has played the majority of the season with an injury. Tyler Johnson missed what little offseason they had with an injury, had to get up to speed before he could really get on the field. They needed the depth. They needed the help. So, no, the, the roster has not exceeded the coaches. The problem is the coaches need to get their heads on straight and start game planning for their opponents, not for what they want to do with their roster. And number two, no, Mike Evans, hands down, is still a number one receiver. He led the team in receiving on Sunday night. He just hasn't been 100%. Yeah, so Mike Evans has never won with separation. That's never been his game. Um, Keenan Allen tried throwing that in his face you know, during the offseason or whatever. But Mike Evans, even going back to Texas A&M, coming out in the NFL draft, that was if there was a knock on Mike Evans, it was that he doesn't get separation. And I don't mean no separation, but he doesn't get much separation. Uh, right now in 2020, he's averaging 2.8 yards of separation uh, per route you know, run, uh, which is right up there with, with guys like Kenny Galladay. So, I mean – you know, it is what it is. Uh, he wins in other ways. Why Tom Brady's not targeting him as much as people want him to. Uh, you'd have to ask Tom that, honestly, and I don't think he's going to answer that question. I know Bruce Arians talked about it a little bit, saying that they want, you know, he'd like to see Mike get more targets, uh, but that's up to the quarterback. And Tom Brady has never been a guy to throw to names. He throws to what he sees open. He throws to what he feels comfortable with. And uh, when you're trying to catch up, when you're trying to come back from behind and a defense is kicking your ass uh, the way that the Saints were, I mean – you can't really blame him for wanting to find the open guy, the separated guy, the guy in space. You know what I mean? Uh, that's a safer throw. As far as people being upset with Bruce Arians or maybe, you know, disenchanted with Bruce Arians, there's a lot of people out there, especially in the Bucks fandom, talking about how, you know, Bruce Arians isn't what they thought he was. And again, we, we talked about this time and time again. It's really a lot about uh, man, uh, managing your expectations. I don't know what people thought Bruce Arians was, but James, going back to our interviews with some Arizona media, uh, Paige Zamakos, you know, has talked about it on the show. I mean, Bruce Arians is a, a cool character. He's got a lot of charisma. He's got a lot of personality. He says a lot of cool things that make people laugh and kind of make them raise their eyebrows. He's great for quotes, but he's a human being, man. And he's been fired before. Like, I mean, Bruce Arians isn't, I don't know what everybody expected. And Matt, I don't know what you exactly expected. Uh, but even talking to Bo Brack from the Locked On Arizona Cardinals podcast, he even said, he's like, look, guys, as much as you're going to get some really awesome quotes from him, you're also going to get some head scratching moments on the field. And I remember last season, when he was challenging some things, calling some timeouts, not calling some timeouts, we were like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be Bruce Arians. What is this? Well, that's Bruce Arians. And if you, if you listen to those episodes, or if you, if you pay attention to what people from Arizona, from Indianapolis, from Pittsburgh were saying, Bruce is, is a guy who mar marches to the beat of his own drum 100%. And that's what you get with Bruce Arians. Last week, right, there was a challenge on fourth down. You know, He challenged uh, Saints conversion on fourth down. And people were like, Yo, what are you doing? Why are you challenging that? Even the broadcasters were like, it's so hard to overturn that. Listen, his team is on their heels, on the ropes early in this game. He throws a challenge flag. Why? Because you might win. I don't know. You, you can't win if you don't play the game. If he loses, I mean, what did it really change at the end of the day? Tell me what that challenge, what losing that challenge really did. Did losing that challenge make them lose 38-3? to Absolutely not. But if he had even a sliver of chance to win that challenge, and he wins that challenge, and the Saints don't have the ball, and the Buccaneers get the ball, could it turn the tide of the game? Absolutely could have. It didn't, but it could have. No risk it, no biscuit, right?
that, that goes in a lot of categories. This is the Bruce Arians that we expected. But James, we got to move on in this conversation. And this episode every week, as everybody who's been listening to the episodes every week knows, is the game or the day that we transition to the next game. So just like the Buccaneers are trying to do, we're going to go ahead and do it. Hopefully the Bucs fans are going to do it with us. We're going to flip the script over to the Carolina Panthers. Week 10, 6-3 and three, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers facing the 3-6 and six Carolina Panthers in Carolina on Sunday. So, James, let's go ahead and get into that conversation. We absolutely will do that. But first, we have to give a shout out to a good friend of ours, a friend of the show, a friend to a lot of our listeners. And that, of course, is the new and improved and even more deliciouser Built Bar. 18 amazing flavors, including 12 originals. You know them, mint brownie, salted caramel, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, German chocolate, but six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And David, you even got a box of the new pumpkin chocolate chip for those of you that are pumpkin mm-hmm. fans. Uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta scoop those up. Bill bars are great for the health conscious person. You could lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they are perfect for any of you who happen to be on the keto diet. One of those new flavors, cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you will receive 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Segment three of our Wednesday episode here, the Locked On Bucks podcast, and we're going to f- turn the page looking towards the Carolina Panthers. No more New Orleans Saints talk until hopefully January. Hopefully Minnesota takes care of that for us. We're going to talk about it then. Uh, um, have you seen Minnesota's record? I'm just saying. But James, we got a game to talk about coming up this weekend. That's Carolina Panthers. This is my last episode of this week because you're so graciously covering the rest of the week so that I can move into the home that my wife and I are closing on on Friday. So I really, this is my last chance to, to, oh, wrong one. There you go. So this is really my, like, this is my last chance. So I figure, uh, you know, why not just throw it all out there? Let's go bowl prediction. Let's go game plan and let's go final score prediction. What do you say? I think it sounds fantastic. I can't wait to hear all of those from you because I'm still not giving mine yet. You know, I still have two more shows to fill, sir. Absolutely. And I look forward to hearing <laughs> all of the things you have to say. So I'm going to start with game plan. So last week I gave the Buccaneers an offensive game plan. You, you did that. They did not follow. That they did not follow. So we're going to, we're going to try it again. We're going to take one more crack at giving Byron Leftwich. I'm going to, I'm going to voluntarily do Byron Leftwich's job for him because I can do it so much better. Just like a whole lot of other people out there can, right? Yes, Listen, exactly. The Carolina Panthers are bottom 10 in rushing yards per carry in the national football league so far through nine games. And they actually didn't even do a bad job against the Kansas City Chiefs last week in, in, in as far as stopping the run is concerned. However, the Kansas City Chiefs also don't really live on the run. They kind of live on guy, the guy named Patrick Mahomes, um, Super Bowl MVP, all that stuff, right? Um, so the, the Chiefs didn't really rely on the run as much as the Buccaneers could rely on if they so choose, if they run the ball more than four times before uh, Blaine Gabbert kneeled down at the end of the game. So bottom 10 in yards per carry, but that's not it. They're one of just five teams in the National Football League so far this season that have surrendered 12 rushing touchdowns up to this point, tied for the sixth most, having allowed seven runs of 20 yards or more. And they're tied for the fifth most as far as giving up 40-yard runs or more, 40-yard or more runs 
and 28.9% of the runs they faced so far this season have given their opponents a new set of downs. So what does that all mean? Byron Leftwich, please, for the love of everything holy, it means run the stinking ball. Feed Rojo. We said feed Rojo a few weeks ago. They fed Rojo. He did amazing. It was one of his three straight 100-yard rushing games. Everybody was happy. Ronald Jones was like the, the highest picked up player in fantasy football after that, and it was great. The Buccaneers were happy. Everybody was talking about Super Bowl aspirations. Power rankings were climbing on every network and every expert in the world. And then for some reason, now all of a sudden, Ronald Jones is just a distant memory. Throw Leonard Fournette in there as well. This Carolina Panthers defense, their strength is on the edge. Brian Burns, Gator Gross Matos returned to action last week. Really didn't play very much. I don't think he aggravated his injury. I just don't think they wanted to bring him back fully against Kansas City Chiefs. I think they wanted to give him a little bit of action. I think he got 13 snaps against Kansas City Chiefs. So unless there's an injury there or re-aggravation of injury there that I'm just not aware of. So either get Gross Matos potentially returns. If not, even better. Brian Burns is really their main thing. Brian Burns is going to be a huge part of this game because he is turning into a beast right before everybody's eyes week in and week out. This offensive line had better be ready for him. But while that's happening, if your running backs are hitting between the guards, between the tackles, all that stuff, taking advantage of that soft middle of that Carolina Panthers defense, even running on first down, you can set up second and six, second and five, second and fours, get into third and five or less, get into some advantageous situations. The, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense has not converted third downs of their own at a rate over 30% for two weeks now. And what else has happened? They struggled for two weeks now. They need to get back to establishing the run, get back to getting in good, positive second and third down situations, start converting some of those things, stringing together four or five first downs so they can put the ball back in the end zone, coming away with a win against a Carolina Panthers defense that, yes, the Panthers team did do very well against the defending Super Bowl champions. That defense, still susceptible to the run, still very susceptible up the middle. Bring those linebackers in defending the run, hit them over the middle behind them with Rob Gronkowski, Scotty Miller, A.B., Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, whoever you choose after they're, after they're crashing down try to stop the run and just make up for everything that you've done in the last two weeks. Get this bad taste out of your mouth and get and get a win against a divisional opponent in week 10. Yeah, I absolutely love it. You know I'm a big run-the-ball guy, and I, I invited people to throw their analytics at me in my pick six, and nobody did. Even if you did, I probably would have ignored it because analytics are overrated, and it's the reason that Kevin Cash pulled Blake Snell, and we're not going to get into that again. But – yeah, establishing the run, utilizing this running backs, especially against, you know, David, as you put it, a, a soft front from the Carolina Panthers. It's going to open up the play action game for Tom Brady, which is not a weapon that he had against the New Orleans Saints because they didn't run the ball. They abandoned it completely like they were, you know, passengers on the Titanic just jumping overboard. Tom Brady is one of, if not the best quarterback in the NFL in 2020 off of play action. I haven't seen the updated stats and, and all that after week nine, but he's up towards the top guaranteed. He's been, you know, the best throughout the season. And there's no threat of that if you're not running the ball. So not only can they expose the Panthers defense and you know, get Rojo and get Fournette cooking again, but now you're opening things up down the field, you know, deep shots to Scotty, deep shots to Godwin, A.B., Evans, whoever. You still got Gronk over the middle or going up the seam. It's going to open up everything that, that was making them so successful before these last two weeks they kind of hit the snide. So, yeah, I love it. Run the ball. Run it, run it, run it, and then run it again. Yeah, feed Rojo, sprinkle Fournette. So, um, so listen, my bold prediction, I'm so confident that Byron Leftwich and I are on the same page facing this Carolina Panthers defense that here is my bold prediction. Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones will combine for over 20 carries 
and 150 yards rushing. You said over 20 carries or 25? 20 carries combined between the two of them. They will run the ball more than 20 times combined. And they will have over 150 yards of rushing offense. How many touchdowns? Give me the Tutter number. Two. Love it. We're going two. Two touchdowns. And listen, for your fantasy team, I have no idea who's getting the lion's share. Probably Leonard Fournette, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know who's getting the touchdowns. I don't know who's getting the most yards, but whatever. Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones will combine for 20 touches, 20 carries, rather. So this isn't counting the passing yards or receptions. 20 carries, and they will net 150 yards or more on the ground against Carolina Panthers defense and score two touchdowns. That is my bold prediction. And I'm just going to go right into my score prediction. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win this game 31-21. to We're just going to recycle that too. 31-21, Buccaneers win 7-3. and I think per Greg Amon, 90-something percent chance of making the playoffs at 7-3. and Everybody breathes a sigh of, of relief a little bit and then uh, quickly gets very nervous again as the Los Angeles Rams come in and Aaron Donald looks to wreak havoc, havoc on Tom Brady's grill. Primetime anxiety is going to be very much a thing. Now I'm going on vacation that week. No, you're not, but I might. Booked. Already booked. Nope. That's unfortunate. So we're not going to podcast that week, everybody. Uh, with that, David, we are out of here. Hopefully you and your family enjoy a smooth transition here at the end of the week. Oh, I still have two more shows to do. I'm joined by Bill Rossetti of Locked on Panthers tomorrow <laughs> on the crossover Thursday episode. Then I got a guest lined up for Friday as we dive headfirst. <laughs> into the preview i i i appreciate david giving all of his takes we will relay those over to the guest as the guest and i not naming any names guest and i will give our game plans our bold predictions our score predictions and uh hope that all three of us end up being right until then please check out everything going on over at bucksnation.com make sure you're following along on twitter at lock on bucks at jarco underscore bucks at d harrison 82 and at bucks underscore nation big thank you to our callers zach and matt much appreciated gentlemen you know we'd love to hear from you hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day stay safe stay healthy wash your hands be good to each other and we thank you so much for joining us right here at lock